Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Amen, amen. As you guys are giving, I just want to let you know I'm so excited to be back uh, preaching today. I, uh, I, I, I loved being able to hand off the platform to someone else last Sunday, let Preston speak. And, but I, it, that, that just fires me up to come back and preach again. So, so today I'm, I'm very pumped, very ready. So you give me two weeks to rev up. and I mean, I'm ready, ready to go, all right? So I love it if you go ahead and get your Bibles, Bible apps out, open them up to Proverbs chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 1 in just a minute. Get your, get your Bibles, hold it there. Uh, Proverbs right in the center of the Bible. It's right after the huge book of Psalms, uh, not the book of Palms, but Psalms. And, uh, and, and right after there's the book of Proverbs. It was written by ancient Israel's King Solomon, and King Solomon was also, in other places in the Bible, known as the teacher, the teacher, which then kind of, uh, you know, it helps me to create a title for my message today. So my message title is, Hey, Teach. Hey, Teach. All right, so I want you to, to say hey to me because like I'm your teacher to say, hey teach. hey, teach. And then I'm going to look back at you and say, hey, teach. Ooh, yeah. Some of you are very impressed by that. Others of you still didn't get it. All right, but <laughs> you'll get it by the end of the message. Hey, uh, it's right now it is what, what uh, the Woody family would call man trip season. We tend to know what that means. Uh, my sons definitely know what that means, and my wife does as well. Back when, um, back when we had our first child, Rebecca brought up this idea. It was a formative idea that, that, uh, that we would take our children on, on like, a, like a week-long outing with, with one of their parents, depending upon their gender, and, and, uh, and we would just pour into their lives somewhere around the onset of adolescence. And, and uh, so since we ended up with all boys in the family, guess who got to do it? Me! Yes, so I took these trips with my sons. It was uh, my 12th birthday gift for each one of the sons was a camping trip. It was about a week and a half long. We would go to the north rim of the Grand Canyon. My oldest son, uh, Preston, kind of named it. He called them man trips, and so it's kind of stuck with us in the family since then. I mean, you've got to think about it. Like, what boy wouldn't want to go on a man trip? I mean, it's awesome. So this week in 2004... Preston and I took our trip to the Grand Canyon. On this week in 2008, Devin and I took our trip to the Grand Canyon. This week in 2011, uh, Ian and I took our trip to the Grand Canyon. Let me tell you about it. That where we go is the North Rim. It's, it's actually a high plateau. It's a high desert plateau. The camping area is about 8,300 feet. Other areas up there where we, we go to is about 8,700 feet. That's a pretty high altitude. Um, and, and at this time of year at the North Rim of the Grand Canyon, I'm all, and I always think about it this time, kind of like, ah, I just kind of want to be there, you know, but, but it gets a little chilly at night, the nighttime temps are 25 to 35 degrees, uh, uh, there was, you know, a lot of mountain air up there in, in your tent, you were shivering, and, and in fact, Devin and I, we got caught in a freak snowstorm one afternoon uh, in, in our, and we, we were in our tent, our tent collapsed and everything, it was quite, quite the memories, right, yeah, I mean, we'll, I'll never forget when the tent collapsed under the snow, I was like, oops, what do we do now? But, uh, but not only did I take each one of my sons on a 12-year man trip, um, 
but, but we also did another big, big trip later on uh, with, with all, three of, all three of the boys. And uh, it, was, it was this week in 2013, the same week in 2013, when I took all three of my boys to on what we called an extreme man trip uh, of hiking and camping and a 33-mile trek in and out of the canyon in the backcountry. So today I'm going to talk about those trips uh, that I took with my boys along with some spiritual parallels for my, those trips. But, but I... I what I'm doing in each one of the services, I'm asking each one of my sons just to share a 30-minute, I'm not 30-minute, you do not get 30 minutes, a 30-second, uh, just a quick little story of something you remember. So Devin, I want you to grab a mic and come up here. Uh, Ian spoke in the last service. Devin, I want you just, I don't know what you're going to share, but I want you to tell me in about 30 seconds one of your memories from, uh, from the man trip, either the one that you and I went on by ourselves yeah. or, or the big one. Yeah, I, I do have one, and... Um it's very, very vivid because it was sort of scary, kind of traumatic. So um, the, uh, I remember one day, me and my dad, we, were, we stopped to go hiking in this little area. And I just had this bad case of just hiccups. Like it was just, like, just really bad. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. I can't, however you want to hiccup. But it was so bad. And I, I asked my dad, I'm like, Dad, how do I get rid of hiccups? And I was like, is it true that you can, like, scare the hiccups out of somebody? And my dad goes, well, I don't know. And so I was like, okay, well, and we're just walking. And then, uh, like, ten seconds later, all of a sudden, it's just like, you know, I love my dad, but this was <laughs> terrible. But he, he just goes, watch out! And I, I like, clinch up, ah! like that. And I'm so scared. And then uh, he goes, are the hiccups gone? And I stood there for a second, and I was like, yes. <laughs> They're gone. So you can scare the hiccups out of somebody. So that's Learned, learned. on a man trip. Hey, don't you love that? Uh, but today, I'm going to challenge you to step up your spiritual game. That's really what I'm going to do today. I'm going to ask you to choose to move to one of three levels. You're going to learn those three levels today, and I'm going to ask you to flourish there. Uh, now, one of the foundational challenges we need to take in order for all of us to grow into our destiny is to be teachable. Uh, I think teachability is huge. It's huge. I talk about that a lot. It's, uh, teachability is the attitude of living life as a sponge. You're always looking to grow and become better, and, and you, you're not one to just settle for less. You, you, might know a not, you might know a lot of things, but you're not a know-it-all. That's teachability. In fact, uh, being teachable is one of the first lessons I had to practice to instill in my boys before heading off on this, these man trips. And uh, first of all, though, I mean, of course, I had to be teachable to learn the challenges of high desert uh, camping. And, and, uh, but I didn't just learn for myself. What I would do is I would get loaded up with information so I could make the trips work well. And, and then I would have to figure out a way to pry open the brains of my boys and to teach them about desert camping and high altitudes and more. And, and, and they don't even, they didn't know it, but on these trips, I had a secret daily agenda. And the boys never knew what was coming day by day. And, and I would start off each day, each trip uh, when I was with them alone, like what, what, what my life like was like as a 12-year-old. And, and we talked about nature. We talked about uh, what adolescence would be like. We talked about basic survival skills. Uh, we, we 
I talked about how to set your mind so that you could make decisions in the future, make right decisions. Uh, we talked about how to not die at the Grand Canyon because there are actually more people that die like right at the Grand Canyon, you know, than any other place. It's kind of interesting. We talked about marriage and sex, talked about what it meant to be a man, uh, how to take care of your body, how to treat ladies. We even had a special ceremony. This one place where I prayed over each son, speaking blessing over them, calling them into manhood, uh, talked to them about how to be lifelong learners and to be teachers the rest of their lives. So it was a lot of, actually what it was, it was a rite of passage trip. Uh, but one of the things that I did for each boy was at their birthdays, I presented them with a notebook. And Devin, will you bring those up here? Uh, I presented them with a notebook where they would have, they would have this, that, that's all they got for their birthday was a notebook explaining that they were about ready to go on this trip with me. And, uh, and the boys were never able to share, they were never allowed to share, the older boys, what happened on their trip. So it was always a secret and they had to keep their books a secret afterwards. But, uh, but my first one that I, that I created here, here was the this is, this is Preston's, and, and so this is what he got. This was his 12th birthday gift right here, and it's, a, and, and it's, it's turned out to be a scrapbook and, and a book of, of places where they, they did journal entries and all these things, and then you know, the next one was, uh, De- was Devin, and this is June 2008, and same kind of stuff in here. We had a little bit of different route, a little different stuff going on, and then Ian's here as well. So, so I, I have all three of these right here. In fact, after the service, you want to kind of even look at those, feel free to do so. It's a, they, the boys have said it's okay. They're, they're not embarrassed of any of that anymore, all right? But uh, I, I built a separate page for each day of the trip into these uh, books. And, and one of the things that I put in there is, is, is a place for them to answer four questions at the end of each day. Uh, they had to do it before they went to bed. And I insisted, basically, as part of that training, that they be teachable. And so you know, that's actually one of the tools that I use, which is journaling. Now, I'm just telling you guys, it was like pulling teeth to get those boys to complete their daily exercise. <laughs> I, I believe in journaling, um, and I wanted really to introduce them to the concept. But of course, they had just finished a full year of school. And, and, and the last thing they wanted to do was to have a daily workshop sheet to fill out before going to bed, but I still made them do it. <laughs> you know why? It's because leading a family is not like a democracy. They don't get a vote. So by now, though, my boys are all in their 20s, and what I love, and I just realized this yesterday, is that none of my boys can tell you where any of their school books are from when they were in sixth or seventh grade, but they all know where their man trip notebook is. I asked them if they could find it, and it took literally seconds for each boy to bring, bring it to me. Well, what's the difference? You know, school books, that, it's all the same, right? <laughs> Obviously not to them. There's a huge difference. Today I'm going to talk about why it's different. See, a teachable person, um, they journal what they're learning, and they, uh, they also want to retain that information and the experience that goes along with it. In fact, at the bottom of each one of these journal pages, uh, they had to answer this one question. It, it, it was one of the fun questions that I had on there. It says, what I learned today, colon. And then they had a few blanks to fill out what they learned each day, and they had to complete this. So would you guys like to see some of their answers on what they learned today? Okay, this, this is fun. You have to understand these are 12-year-old boys. So, so uh, here, here's, here's one of them. What I learned today. Ants come out more in the night. For real, yeah. Oh, here's another one. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. This is the adult service here. What I learned today. 
to pee whenever I get the chance. Flies are annoying. And to get the tent set up, when, that is the number one priority. See, good stuff. Good. These are things they learned. Another one, what, here's another one. I don't even get this. What I learned today, some managers are Nazis. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know where that came from, but we obviously had an interaction with someone. Another one said, I learned about peer pressure and about college. What I learned today, to always look where you're walking on the trail. That's good. What I learned today, I learned about sex and puberty. Another one is I learned about my emotions. What I learned today, I learned all about the body and sex and how to control it. What I learned today is I learned how to handle marriage. Now, I, I, was, I was thinking about that. I was like, I, I don't know what, what they learned how to handle the marriage. Maybe this one son, whichever one it is, is going to hold marriage seminars in the future, and we will all glean from the wisdom. But what I learned today, you don't have to be with the group and do what everyone else is doing. What I learned today is I learned that it would be smart to look for a wife in college. In other words, like, you don't need to be looking for a wife anytime soon. That, that was, that was the, the teaching there. What I learned today is that dad will give me more freedom when I get older. What I learned today, oh, I love this, that you are wonderfully made by God, and he has a future for you and how to pump gas. <laughs> I learned to care about myself and not think it's worthless. And what I learned today is take your time with marriage and death at the Grand Canyon happens often. <laughs> just such awesome little statements here. Uh, you know, but a teachable spirit means you're willing just to grab hold of anything and you're willing to grow just a little bit every day. That's why, I, you know, I'm just telling you right now, that's why I believe taking notes when you're here on Sundays is so important. Taking notes during a sermon because it's the attitude of being teachable. It's like, well, I get the notes out if a good point comes my way. Well, I believe in having the notes out ready to go because something good is. I'm expecting it. Like I took my, my guys, the staff, to a conference, and we had a great time uh, at a conference this last week. But, but we don't want to sit sitting through the conference waiting halfway through. It's like, oh, I think I'll go ahead and get my notes out. There might be, you know, I, I just heard something good. Oh, I missed it. You know, no, no, we're ready to go. I want you to be teachable. Some ways to be teachable is to, is to glean from people in authority, from books and from educators. I mean, I, I challenge you, be like a sponge. Listen to podcasts. Put yourself in settings where you can learn from other people. Uh, read books and articles and take a course. Uh, in fact, the summer sessions that we're going to be doing here on Tuesday evening starting this week, that's an ideal place to go. Sh- you know, sharpen up your, your career and your work skills and grow in some life skills and even learn some new life hacks. I, I, I'll tell you guys, in a general sense, there's so much to learn from the people around us. And I believe this, you can learn something from anyone, even if it's not someone you respect. You really can. Why? It's because a teachable spirit is not arrogant. But there's another category of being teachable. It's also being teachable by allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you because the Holy Spirit teaches you. Do you know that as a believer, the Holy Spirit lives in you and what, what he does is the Holy Spirit illuminates stuff for you and he teaches you. You know, for example, if you're stuck in a situation where you don't even know what to say about your faith and you're, you're confronted, the Bible says, I mean, Jesus even said it himself, is that the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. <laughs> 
That's pretty awesome. A teachable spirit, I, you know, I believe it's actually essential for advancing into your own personal destiny, and we should be exercising a teachable spirit every day. You know, part of my, uh, part of my desire in having a teachable spirit is to grow in wisdom, and, and I believe that as we grow in wisdom and we ask for wisdom, God will even give us more wisdom upon our request. James, the brother of Jesus, he said it this way. He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, look at that. The Holy Spirit, in other words, wants to give you generous amounts of wisdom, and uh, he doesn't find fault with you in the process. In other words, God's not looking for you to be good enough for his impartation for wisdom. He's looking for your hunger and your desire and your own teachability. God looks for teachability. But again, if you're lacking teachability, truth is we won't even ask God for wisdom. That's stubbornness, self-sufficiency. I'll tell you, that will always take you to a dead end. The word of God is also, te- will also teach us. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the Bible, the scriptures. They've stood the test of time and they will continue to do so. The word of God is powerful. It is potent. In fact, Paul tells this to Timothy. He says, all scripture is God-breathed. That means you know, it came from God. And it is useful, useful for various things. He says, for teaching for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, which is you and me, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, we we are equipped to be able to do God's work because of the scriptures. The scriptures teach us. For me, it is a non-negotiable source of daily growth. I need it every day. I need it every day, even if it's in a small amount. I challenge you to do the same. In fact, uh, on our man trips, uh, the boys and I, we would listen to entire books of the Bible through like audio books and we would discuss them and it would be a lot of fun. Now, I want you to look in your Bibles in Proverbs chapter one where I had you turn earlier because this is an introduction to an extremely unique collection of sayings. In fact, there's nothing else like it in the entire Bible and uh, this is the introduction to the book of Proverbs and there are 31 chapters in all of Proverbs where you can like read one a day for a month and it's, it's pretty awesome. But listen to this introduction because this is good. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, David the son, Son, uh, Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning, let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, for sayings and riddles of the wise. That's, that's beautiful poetry that's right there. And, and, uh, and I, I encourage you to, it's, it's an introduction to a whole book, of, book full of poetry. But for me, even during my own times of rapid personal growth, I have chosen always to lean into the book of Proverbs because it opens up my mind and shapes how I think. Uh, in fact, one of the things I even challenge you to do that I've done many, many times is I'll, when I'm t- during times of rapid growth, I'll read a chapter in Proverbs and I'll find one proverb in there that I'll write out on a card and I'll keep it with me all day long and I'll memorize it. You see, a teachable spirit wants to do these things 
and I'm challenging you to do it. In fact, I'm, I'm going to personally challenge this whole congregation to dive into a reading plan that's found in the YouVersion uh, application, the YouVersion app of the Bible, and w- I want us to do it. And it looks like this. I, I know the little picture up the, to- the top looks a little weird. I guess that's supposed to, they did that. I thought it's like a sage or something, but whatever. <laughs> but, but if you'll open up the City Life app, my guys say that, you, that you'll immediately see this Bible reading plan, and you can click on that to access the plan, or you can just go into the YouVersion app and hunt for that right there called the Wisdom of Proverbs. Now, I've already started mine. I'm three days in, and I'm asking you, will you join me in reading the book of Proverbs this month? Will you do it? Be teachable. Be teachable. This is, this, this is potent, and we can have a lot of fun on there because you can, like, friend me on, on there and create a profile and friend me, and we can watch each other's, you know, reading like, yay, yay, oh, and give each other stars and applause and, and that kind of stuff. I don't even remember. Something like that is, is how it works, but it, it is a little bit of a social app as well. So, I, but I want us to do this together, to be teachable. Are you, I mean, are you willing to, to take five minutes a day to this? Watch what can happen. Now, being teachable is the beginning, but if you want to move to the next level, here it is. I encourage you to be a teacher. That means you take what is in you and you impart it to others. You give information to others so they can grow. Uh, what a teacher does is they seek out teachable people and they pour into them. And there are very simple ways that you can do this. In fact, you can do it right here within our own church. I mean, some of you, the truth is you need to start serving in children's ministry or our youth, our teen ministry, become connect group leaders, or team leads here at the church. In fact, Solomon said it this way. He said, instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. That's pretty awesome. It says, teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. In other words, there is no cap on growth as long as there are teachers around. But you can't be a teacher unless you do the first level, which is being teachable. All right? I chose to start teaching when I was seven years old. I don't know what came over me, but, but it, I, I did this, and I still remember when it happened. I remember the look of shock, utter terror and shock on my second grade Sunday school teacher's face, but that I told my second grade Sunday school teacher sitting in there, I said, I'm going to teach Sunday school next week. And, and he just looked at me and said, oh, you are? I said, yes, I'm, I'm going to teach Sunday school next week, so you don't need to, you know, you don't need to be here. Well, I, w- I was literally thinking he wasn't going to show up, but, but uh, he ended up calling my parents. And they worked it out, and, and, uh, and he gave me like a little Bible story book, and I was like, ah, I'm not finding what I need in here. I remember it, and, as, and I came and presented a lesson. He was there. I was like, oh, well, okay, you're here. Good. Enjoy it. And I probably taught for one minute. I don't even recall, but I remember giving my first doing my first class when I was seven years old. Hey, here, here's, here's the story about, here's the reason why I'm sharing, sharing that. There is no age barrier to being a teacher. There is none. What it takes is just a willingness to step out and do so. Uh, some of you, you need to begin to take the wisdom and the knowledge that you have gained as a teachable person, even from your work or your field of expertise, and begin to impart it to others. Teach! I mean, write about it. Start your own blog or website or, or start a podcast or your own YouTube channel. I mean, you can do all that today. And you'll find that you'll begin to even grow yourself more as you teach. Now, many of you, though, I, I know you, many of you are already teachers in one way or another. But uh, so I'm going to challenge you to a higher level. And really, this is where I'm, where I'm pointing at today. I'm going to challenge you today to be a father. <clears throat> now, I want to just clear the air up. This is not a gender-exclusive thing. 
And on the other hand, I'm not being like weird about twisting genders or anything like that. You know I'm not going to do that, and that's not what I'm doing. So, right? All right? Okay, well, cool. Because being a father, though, is something that anyone can do. And uh, in order to do it, though, you have to move beyond being a teacher. Truth is, it's not all that challenging to be a teacher. It's just taking data and dispersing data. But being a father is a whole new thing. Here's the reality. Paul illuminates it well. He says this to one of the churches that he started. He said, though you might have 10,000 instructors or teachers in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Now, I'm a teacher. But if I'm really but and, and if I'm really going to operate in my role as a spiritual father or have that father anointing, I need to be a teacher first. That is that is important. But if you're gonna step up into this, I'm gonna illustrate to you what it can look like. In order for us to do that, we're gonna go back exactly six years to this week. This week in two thousand thirteen, when I took my sons on the most extreme man trip ever the four of us we would be doing things that i would never expect the boys to do when they were 12 years old now here i'm going to weave in these truths if you want to be a father you need to find creative ways to open up someone else's heart here it is it's best done by spending quality time and quantity time together and having fun on this man trip we listened to audiobooks and talked through a lot of teaching and but we also took a time where we stopped at cadillac ranch in amarillo we loaded up on spray paint and we all had a blast out there in that cow pasture you say okay pastor where's the teaching in all this Hey, now this is the opening of the minds and hearts. This is called creativity. This is laughter. This is fun. It, it's, it's about making a memory. Hey, listen, fathers want to create memories because this is where the information and the teaching becomes more sticky. <laughs> it becomes relevant and practical and powerful. You see, fathers, what they do is they get out of the classroom and they create classrooms in the most creative spaces. Stopping on the side of the road all of a sudden becomes an unforgettable experience. You know, the boys really didn't want to stop and look at boulders here when I took this picture. But when I told them the only place to use the restroom out there were the restrooms that were located behind those boulders out there uh, in the desert, they took off and all of a sudden it became an adventure and they found the restrooms. Those of you who have never been outdoors before, you have no clue what I'm talking about. It just went right over your head. It's going to be just fine. Take a deep breath and relax, all right? See, a father knows that adventure is critical to growth and learning. Can I ask you this? Who are you just playing with who are you creating experiences with who are you intentionally laughing with who are you taking on adventures you see for me man trip was not anything about thrill seeking i get enough thrill seeking being a pastor trust me all right but it's about growth it's about learning it's about impartation 
and allowing the boys to do things for themselves as I watch and encourage. And no, I don't set up the tent for them. They set up the tent themselves. The father imparts through experience, you see? Part of the teaching moments, though it is to create vivid memories. Um, This right here is a tree on the north rim of the Grand Canyon about two miles into a trail known as Uncle Ben's Trail, but you guys wouldn't know where it is at all. But all of the boys have carved their initials in the year they've carved their initials into this tree. Returning to this tree was a powerful moment. It was almost a sacred moment as the boys became quiet and went back in their minds to the time when they carved their initials in there the first time, bringing back the memories of what we talked about and what happened in that setting years earlier. This just echoes back to experiences from years gone by. I want to go find that tree again. Those feelings, their emotions. See, fathers love to tap into that. Are you willing to walk in a father anointing? On the day before our hike into the canyon, which is the backcountry, we uh, spent another day making sure our boots were well broken in. We've been working on them for a while anyway, but... uh, We took this last five-mile hike around the rim, um, getting our bodies continually acclimated to the altitude. But every single stop was a teaching moment, whether they realized it or not. Fathers do that kind of stuff. Will you? And I'm not talking about trying to do a man trip. I'm just talking about walking in that father spirit in day-to-day life. See, I think the coolest thing is when you see those that you have invested in, when you see them begin to replicate and do the same thing, my boys all talk about how they're going to take their children out there, but when I took my boys back to the spot where I prayed over each one of them, it's our, I called our secret prayer spot. <clears throat> it's marked on my GPS system at the North Rim. Nobody knows where this is but me. But this is the place where I spoke blessing and prayed over my boys and called them into manhood as 12-year-olds. Uh, we were back there, and then the boys, they had this planned. They surprised me. They turned the tables. They all chose to lay hands on Dad and pray a blessing over their father. You see, this is how the father role functions. And this is part of the reward of it right here. Be a father. Fathers are also teachers, and teachers are teachable. All three go together. You have to have all three if you're going to be a father. See, Grand Canyon backcountry planning, it began months before we went, almost a year before we went. In fact, you have to plan it and prepare it that far in advance so you can't even do it. But uh, part of it is reading and podcasts and purchases and getting getting all of our uh, permits together and everything. See, in the canyon, a little bit about the canyon, when you're down in the canyon, if you don't know this, you're going to be in big trouble going down there, but you, don't, you burn double calories every day. Uh, your body will lose about one liter of water per hour. You cannot pack all of your water in. That's impossible. So you have to know where to find water and then how to filter that water and not get sick. You have to have permission to get into the backcountry, uh, which is, the backcountry is anything below the rim of the canyon. And on this particular extreme trip that I took the boys on, <clears throat> we would descend 5,500 feet. Now, that is four Empire State Buildings. And then we would 
ascend another 1,500 feet to our camping location, which is another Empire State Building. So climb down four, climb up one, and then you're at the camping spot. That's 17 miles on day one. Day two is 16 miles, which is a total of 33 miles, and none of the hiking is flat. Please understand that. When I was checking in and getting our permit authorized, uh, the park ranger pointed out, it says, uh, you have a very dangerous itinerary, sir. (laughs) Are you an experienced hiker? I said, yes. And the people you're taking, are you willing to be fully responsible for them? And should all these certain things happen? I went, yes, (laughs) yes. And then I remember the park ranger just looked at me and she said, you have been warned. And then made sure that on my, on my little, uh, permit, it says, aggressive itinerary, hiker insisted on itinerary. Thank you very much. And she said, now you're going to need to pin this, you're going to need to take this thing and, and put this on, on your backpack so that way we can identify you if we need to find you at a certain point. I'm like, oh wow, thank you. It's down there in the, in the canyon, you know, heat is a major issue. Let's just tell you, it gets very, very hot in the canyon. But fathers, <laughs> they are teachable. And teachers, they're, they're teachers themselves. So you're able to learn, you're, but you also tell other information. And then you're also looking out for the posterity of the people who are around you. And you're going to make sure that they don't overheat. You see, you learn, you teach, you protect. Are you willing to be a father? I think most of you are. I do. Day one in the backcountry, the way it turned out, 17-mile hike. Uh, I estimated that the hike would take us 12 hours. I was way off. Um, I was really way off that day. Started off 35 degrees at the top of the North Rim, 120 degrees at the Indian Inner Canyon walls. We left at 4 a.m. We arrived at our campsite at 11 p.m. And um, it actually turned out to be 19 hours of hiking. That's 19 hours down the four Empire State Buildings and one up. <laughs> a lot of challenges, but thing is we had the equipment and the knowledge to survive. Day two, got up there, got our tents set up, and we were getting in bed at about, uh, at about getting in bed at, at uh, we're going to call it bed, getting into the tents at uh, about 11.30, closing our eyes around midnight, setting the alarm for 3.30 and getting right back up. We really didn't sleep. Um, a lot of prayer at that point, going, okay, we, we got we to gotta come back out of this thing. And uh, you always have to add 50% on your time for going back up than it does coming down. It takes longer to go up than it does to come down. Uh, I estimated an 18-hour trek, and fortunately, actually, we made it in 17 hours with the lighter packs, but it was arduous. Um, but I'll tell you, it was wearying, but we bonded deeply. Every one of us experienced injuries, except Ian. I'll never forget, and we were, everyone was worried about a little 14-year-old Ian going out there on, into the backcountry. He's going to get hurt. He's going to die. He's going to fall off a cliff. You know, here we were literally at the, the, the very end coming up, and we are, you know, our trekking poles were crutches. And I am totally serious about that. And we were, we, all the three older of us, you know, myself and the, th- the two older boys, we all had injuries. And we're like, oh, God, we love you. Get us out of here. And Ian was like way ahead of us, whistling and singing. And, uh, and then he waited for us at the be- at the you know when he finally got to the rim. It's like okay, I'm here. It's like stop, just stop. <laughs> but 
sometimes I'd leave the boys behind and when we were on the trail and uh, and I would go up ahead to get something ready for them or whatever, but my goal was to always set them up for success. And I wanted you to take a look. You get to see a little video clip here that I've never shown anyone before until today, uh, but it was just for me just to, but I thought, ah, I'll go ahead and show you. It's just me rambling on the trail. See, of course, that's that's when it's a hundred. Well, at that point, it's it cooled down to about a hundred degrees. Um, but then, when it's dark at the top, and you're getting out at the top, it's like thirty degrees. So that's why I was like, I hope the boys are going to be okay with that. You know, there were times on this trip when I could hardly move, but I never let the boys know how miserable I felt. You see, fathers don't make it all about themselves and what they want and what they feel and what they think. You give up your rights for that. Fathers are more interested in leading. And many of you have that in you. The higher we got coming out, the thinner the air got. Hiking became more difficult. Breathing became difficult. Quite often it was hard to even think sometimes, but we were going to make it out. Here's the second little video clip that I have from that trip. The only two that I have. Driving back to the top the next day, two days later, we took this picture. Of course, that's why everyone looks fresh. We reflected on the amazing journey, but we would never be the same. The experience changed us all. (coughs) Here's my question to you. Will you be a father? See, a teacher gives information, but a father gives himself. A father gives his life for other people that he's responsible for. A father models wisdom and excellence. You see, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. 
A father doesn't lead by democracy. We don't vote on what we're going to do. Preston hated those hiking hats. <laughs> Devin, he was balking at the trekking poles. They all thought the boots were overkill, but the, every single one of them were grateful that their father didn't allow them to vote. <laughs> like Paul said, there are many spiritual leaders but few spiritual fathers, and will you be one of the few? In fact, I, I, I challenge you to do it. I went to Southwestern Assemblies of God University to train for, to train to be a pastor. Wonderful Bible college, wonderful place. It was great, but I'll just tell you the truth. There were no fathers there. It was formal education. I found spiritual fathers in the church and at home. You can be a spiritual father in your church, in your home, in your community, in your place of work. See, because teaching, it'll connect intellectually, but a father is going to connect at the heart level. See, fathers aren't just satisfied with a transfer of data. They don't just walk into the room, dispense information, and walk out. No, see, fathers are long-term people who go for it with heart. They, 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 they want the heart and the soul and the will and the mind of the, and the emotions of the people they're talking with and building up and pulling forward. See, a father cares about real fruit and real growth, and I, I, I dare you to be a father. How do you do it? You always be teachable, and you need to be a teacher yourself. But the big challenge is a step beyond teaching into fathering because the first two are the two easy steps. One of the challenges of of pastoring my church, this church is, is uh, I, I've gone to many people through the years that we've been here and it's just kind of vulnerable time for me but I've asked people I want you to step up and be a spiritual father in our church, we do that and the responses were back, well if you give me money if you give me a title, if you give me position if, 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 and then if you do this for me and if you do this and this for me and every single one of those people turned around and left and it just broke my heart and then I realized maybe I just need to teach them what being a father really is because it's not all about that. I don't get an extra check because I'm my boy's dad. You know what I'm saying? I just become a father. How many of you want to do that? How many of you want to rise up and be a father? Now, maybe here in the church, in the community, on the job, I think the vast majority of you do. Regardless of your age, it's time to step up. I mean, would you just, would you do, if, if you want this, if you desire this, if you desire to step into this, what I'm talking about today, I'm going to ask you just to get up and stand on your feet right now. Just stand on your feet and say, you know what? I want that Father anointing. I want to walk in that. I need that. And will you also just be bold enough to lift up your hands and just begin to talk to God right now, saying, God, I want an anointing. I want, a, I want, I want you to speak to me and touch me and help me, God. God, I don't want to stay where I am. I don't want to just, just be on the lower level. God, I want to soar high. I want to do great things for you. Come on, just begin to receive. And as, I, as you're with your hands are lifted. I want to pray over you right now. God, I pray for a release of your power, of your anointing, of your favor to be upon the people in this room. God, I pray that you will work exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. God, I pray that fathers will be raised up in this church and will be sent out. God, the fathers will be raised up and minister to the teens and the youth and the groups. God, fathers in the community, fathers in the marketplace. God, I thank you, God, that you've not called us to just sit idly by and let culture 
or take everything away. No, we choose to be fathers. And so, Lord, right now, I just speak blessing over these people. Hey, church, I bless you. I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you. Walk in a fatherhood anointing. Walk in it. Walk in it for your family. Walk in it for your church. Walk in it for your business and your community. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you to look at me, church. This is what I'm calling you to. This is what I'm calling you to. It's a high calling, but I'm telling you what, there's nothing better than the feeling of knowing that you're giving and giving and giving and giving. You may not have anything coming back, but you're giving and giving. You are expending your life for good purposes. And that's something I love. That's something I want. Amen? Amen. All right, now I want you to receive this blessing. Come on, receive it. God bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Make Jesus known. Walk in a fatherhood anointing. God bless you, church. I'll see you next Sunday. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.